Hey, in 2001, director Peter Jackson brought to us on the big screen the world that J.R.R. Tolkien made famous in his books that he wrote based on The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. In this episode, we're going over the book of the Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first chapter of Lord of the Rings. It includes such a great cast of Sean Astin, Elijah Wood, Viggo Mortensen, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, John Rice Davies. I mean, so many people were in this movie. It was epic. So sit back and relax. The show's going to go long, but we're going to have fun in the process of doing it. And thanks for listening. Hey everybody, this is Chris reminding you to follow us everywhere where you get your favorite podcast at. We are on iHeartRadio, we are at Amazon Music, Google Music, we are at Anger.fm with where we're hosted, most of all we are on iTunes and Spotify. Please make sure when you listen to us on iTunes and Spotify to give us a 5 star rating and leave us a review. It does help a lot in the ratings and it's very much appreciated. I've also been asked, hey, how can I help support the show? Well, there's two different ways you can do that. Actually, three. The first two ways are we have on the Anchor.fm site that we're hosted on a button that says support podcast. You can there press that button and donate any number of money that you like, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, whatever you feel like doing. I've also signed up for Buy Me a Coffee. If you go to the Instagram page for Retro Life for You, there is a link there in the profile where you can buy me a virtual coffee and it's you supporting the podcast and helping us keeping things going. The third and most important way though is word of mouth and telling your friends and family about the show and sharing us with everybody. That is a huge help all on its own. Everything you do is appreciated and it will help the podcast go a long, long way. Thanks for being our listeners and supporters. Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Adams, host of Retro Life for You. Uh, you know, been floating our guest hosts around for the last few weeks as usual, and I've been looking for one for this week. Originally we had a different show in mind and we've had to reschedule, so we're on a backup version. And I was like, where am I gonna find a guest? So I started kicking rocks over. And of all places under this rock, this one dude slid out. I it, it, <laughs> If you were able to see the video right now, <laughs> you'd see who it is. And uh, but uh, with that oh, laugh, yeah. with, with that laugh, that just reminds me of Mr. Travis Rollins. Hey, 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 hey! Been a long time. Been a long time, man. How things been going with you? Uh, it was good, man. I was comfy under that rock with this cold weather, bro. <laughs> I bet you were, man. You, you, you like polar bear people. You like that cold weather stuff. I do, I do. It's crazy how cold, especially being here in South Carolina. The it dropped down to, I think, 14 degrees oh, right before I'm, Christmas. Dude, I'm getting the same weather you are. I'm not that far away now. I'm getting the same yeah, weather. That's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, I've been oh. doing good, man. I've been working all the time as usual. And I don't have time for too much else. But other than that, yeah. How are you, man? Man, I've been doing pretty good. It's the same old, same old. Work and play, work and play. This is my only play I got. Anyways. Today, you and I are going to talk about the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings specifically. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it all started. The Peter Jackson movie. Because yeah. we think of a lot of places with the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. 
Right. But I mean, this, if we're talking about the actual movie Peter Jackson put out for the big screen for us, not the cartoon, but we're going right. with this. Uh, Peter Jackson, he just brought this world to life for everybody. Uh, for oh, man. And, and, and like in a spectacular way, too. In a spectacular it's, way. It's like a whole universe now people can enjoy and think about. Like we talked about this. You and I did a show, What Universe Would You Live In If You Could, you know? And one of them yeah. was Lord of the Rings. Uh, Lord yes. of the Rings, Star Trek, Star Wars, and um, Harry Potter. We chose it was a four we picked. Which one would you live? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't remember which one. I don't remember which world I picked. Do uh, you remember which world you picked? I, I I think I stuck with Lord of the Rings because I was a big fan of like. Now, I may be wrong. I have to think back on because I can't remember the entire show. I'm thinking I was gonna go Star Wars because I love you know, like Star, you know, the lightsaber and the space travel and stuff like that you can go through. But right, just an average everyday life of what we consider we're used to now, we can relate more to a Lord of the Rings type of lifestyle because you've got the Shire or the where the humans live and do the same mm-hmm. things we do on a daily basis anyway. But you got the excitement or the possibility of having to fight with orcs or something, uh, depending on what you're gonna be, you know, in that world. So no doubt. And then like any other uh, book to movie translation, there are some things that are lost. Uh, we'll get on that in a minute. Obviously uh, it's not a word for word with the book, <clears throat> but uh, this was a book written and based off of what J.R.R. Tolkien did uh, a mm-hmm. long time ago. You've got the Hobbit and then from the Hobbit, I mean, you go to the Lord of the Rings. So you got fellowship of the rings and two towers and then return of the King. Uh, eventually, I want to get to the other two as well, but we'll space them Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And we'll space them out from here and there. That way, if you want to be the one to come back and talk about them, we can space them out and finish what we start with this one tonight or something. Oh, um, yeah. I can totally rejoin you for that. Yeah. I mean, it's just what, we'll like I said, we'll pick and choose our times. I know you're busy with stuff and all, so we'll have to make sure we got a good date to go with it and everything. Did you know, not to go straight into trivia, basically, but did you know that Christopher Lee that played Saruman? Uh, Saruman uh, yes, he, he read the Lord of the Rings once a year, once a till, year till his death in 2015. He had yep. done so since the year it was published. That is a that is a long time. I mean, he had to have known this yes. back. Uh, he was also the only member of the cast and crew to have ever met J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, That's so, awesome. I thought I didn't realize was he was the only kept, the only member of the cast, but I did know that he did that. So when these movies came out finally on DVD, I had the extended versions of all. And let me tell you, Wolf, to this day, I probably have not watched all of the content, uh, the extra content that is on those DVDs. There is so much behind the scenes interviews and and just it is insane how much you learn. And uh, yeah, I, I did see that on that. I learned that there. And Saruman, was who he wanted to put like he wanted to play that character yeah so out, out of out of everyone you could have hired one of the greatest actors to ever breathe he chose to play the like that's who he wanted to play so i thought that was pretty awesome as well i wish i still had those uh i don't have i don't think i either i don't have those right now or i don't well i know i don't have a dv uh, dvd player at the moment uh, right me neither it was like, who don't have a dvd player these days man <laughs> i know right I'm i think sorry. i only had a blu-ray I think I only had a Blu-ray player for like two years. And I was like, why do I need a Blu-ray player? I got my PlayStation. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, in, in my case, uh, you know, 
I lost mine a little bit before the move. Uh, the one that I had yeah. working stopped working, and the one I had before that I lost in Hurricane Michael when it came through. Right. Um, along with the majority of my DVDs. So yeah. I didn't have a bunch of DVDs. I wasn't going to go out and buy myself a DVD player. Yeah. Uh, I, I well, see, nowadays, on. too, you can get – nowadays with having Amazon and everything, you can get all of it on Amazon, too. I, I do have the extended cuts, <clears throat> which I have playing in the background right now. I've got the Fellowship playing right now, the, the extended cut. But you don't get all the extras. The only way that I know of that you can get all of those extras is if you get the DVDs. Well, I don't know if it's the same way on Voodoo or not. When you purchase them on, on yeah. Amazon, I think you can purchase the digital on Amazon too, right? Yeah. Okay, so I, I, most of my all of my digital stuff I have is on Voodoo. And okay. I went, and I went digital when I lost the majority of my DVDs. I had a twenty year collection of DVDs going on that I lost a majority of right. Michael hit. So that yeah. pretty much kind of knocks the wind out of your sails when it comes to collecting. You know, um, no doubt, so, no doubt. But anyway. Uh, so the, with that the, trivia, with that trivia with him too, it tripped me out about I, Sir Sir Ian McClellan playing Gandalf. So you've got what I'm trying to say is okay. So Peter Jackson took what he felt like were lesser well-known actors and actresses, which may seem funny to us who love Free Willy with Elijah Wood, but <laughs> and the Goonies. <laughs> so uh, we know those guys. So, but anyway, you know, for the most part he used lesser known actors and actresses. How could you, you know, you've got Ian McClellan, McKellen and you've got Christopher Lee. And these are two of the, I guess maybe it's because they're so well known on the stage. Maybe it's their, their, their background was better known on the stage, but you got these two iconic actors right? that, you know, <clears throat> in, in the midst of what we consider or what he was considered non-iconic. And then I look at, then I look at Kate Blanchett and then I look at, um, Oh man, I know his name and it just left my brain. Uh, Mr. Anderson. What's his name? The guy that played the, you know, he's Elrond in the movies, but I forget his name. But you know, you got these guys. And I guess really some of them we didn't know before this, but you know, he found fame, like I said, with the, the Matrix movies. And then, you know, you got Kate Blanchett, who I consider a huge star. So the, the guy you were talking about is Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, thank you. Yes, played. Yes. He was in *Leave for Vendetta* too, wasn't he? Yes, yes. So what? How? Like when the movie came out, when you remember back in two thousand, whenever did you did you recognize the stars aside from, of course, you know Mikey and and and. All right. So so Free Sean, so Sean Aston, obviously, um, and then you know you said. Uh, Free, we called him Free Willy. <laughs> Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. I remember him from. Uh, I'm. I believe Deep Impact was before this movie too. If I'm not mistaken. I think so. This was so, this came out two thousand one because I brought it up when we were talking about doing it. It was two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand one. And I remember um, Elijah Wood from being like in a few other things. He said Free Willy. He was in uh, Deep Impact, and mm -hmm. uh, there's a, that's one more. I'm trying to think of the other one too. There's one more. He wasn't in like, the movie with the daggum the 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 Ninja Turtle ripoff Kangaroos, was he? You know what I'm talking about? You remember that movie? No, not the top of my head. It had the kangaroos that did martial arts. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Oh, that. I swear that movie was crazy. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Kangaroos. So, so you didn't recognize you didn't recognize a lot of the other actors and actresses okay, so then. I did not know who Sean Bean was. I did not know who Billy Boyd or Andy Serkis or uh, or uh, who was the other Hobbit. Uh, there was uh, Billy Boyd and. Um, 
Oh yeah, for sure. I didn't know them. Uh, yeah, the, the, those guys I did not know. Ian McKellen. The the main things I know Ian McKellen from, of course, are for this and his his portrayal of Magneto. And and mm-hmm. that's the two biggest. And Orlando, we knew Orlando. Well, this came out right around the same time as Pirates. So I wonder. I have not researched this. I wonder if Orlando was working on it at the same time as Pirates because when he came out as a uh, bootstrap bill kid how can i not remember these names tonight i don't know what's wrong with me well, well bootstrap but anyway, bill was the name you're right on that now that was uh, his dad pirates but anyway Caribbean when he did that he blew up but pirates yeah. of the caribbean was after lord of the rings was it okay cool pirates of the caribbean is 2003 okay the first one was so that's okay so orlando was in there first Okay. Yeah, Lord, I definitely knew who Vigo Mortensen was. Vigo was already one of my favorite actors. Because I remember Vigo, he did Hidalgo came after this, but Vigo was in Tombstone. He was in um uh Young Guns uh, too. A History of Violence. He was in what's that? Was he in Young Guns too? Was it Young Guns or Tombstone? He was one of the he was one of the one of the he cops was, or Pinkerton's looking. He was in Young Guns too because he was one of the guys I think leading the posse with Pat Garrett. And he's the one yes. that kind of talks uh, when Pat Garrett says, don't refer to me common like that again, or I'll put you on your, you know, your little butt, basically, is what he told him. Yes, yes. I believe that was Viggo Mortensen there. Uh, right, yeah, Byron, that was. Ex- obviously, was another one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He was in, he was in, uh, he was also in G.I. Jane, Vanishing Point. Yes. Uh, he was in Daylight with, uh, with Stallone. Right. He so, was, uh, I mean, he's done a lot. Albino Alligator. So I knew I knew him pretty well before then. He was there, but he wasn't a well-known commodity. I don't think you could say. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, because his amazing say, movies. I don't think he's even he, a household name, right? By any means. Yeah, I I think he truly still isn't. To be honest, he's just one of my favorites because I know his his really great movies came after he played Aragorn. Um, everybody loved Hidalgo, right. but then he did his best movies. My favorite movies that he did have been History of Violence, aside from Lord of the Rings, have been History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Those are two of the greatest movies I've ever seen. They're amazing. Then he did a, a Western with Ed uh, Harris, Ed Harris called uh, Appaloosa, yeah. which was really, really good. Yeah. Well, there's some of the other names also that you know, like you don't know of. Um, I mean, Kate Blanchett uh, is an excellent actress. I don't, re- I don't oh, remember. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't remember a lot of her stuff before this because – I mean, I watch certain kinds of movies. All right? I I don't watch right. um, a lot of you know drama types or um, things that make you think of the theater or something like that. Like, or you know, when I say the theater, what am I referring to? Uh, movies like how they made Les Mis Raw. They brought that to a movie. Yeah, uh, so, you know, it, it, I are, love it. Movies that might have been on the stage first, and they made into a movie form or something. I haven't watched right. of those or anything. So I'm not. I wasn't real big on the on the drama stuff. And I think yeah. that's more or less what she did the most of it. If she did anything before this, it was something like that. Oh, she did a lot before this. So, <clears throat> so what I originally remember her from was Elizabeth. Uh, she played Queen Elizabeth in '98. Uh, Let's see. I'm gonna go ahead and just not play around with it. Let me pull it up to make sure. I don't want to be throwing false information out. But I, I remember her from Elizabeth, and I remember her from Eyes Wide Shut. And uh, the biggest one, when I fell in love with her, was either it's a toss-up between the talented Mr. Ripley and um, a movie called Bandits, which is so funny because I saw her in an interview the other day, 
And she was talking about how bandits didn't do well. And I'm like, that's one of my favorite movies. It's got her, Billy Bob Thornton and um, Bruce Willis in it. And Billy Bob and Bruce are, are two brothers that are bank robbers that are in love with her. I, so, I, I've seen parts of that. I didn't watch the whole Oh, movie. it's hilarious. I didn't watch so, yeah, movie. I guess I guess I could say that maybe she wasn't quite so big. So, And she still, I think, is very, like you said, maybe, maybe grand theater and artful type movies uh, is what she kind of leans toward because that, that video that, or that interview that I saw with her was actually promoting her new movie. I think it's called Tear. And she plays the, um, uh, uh, what is it, the people that do the orchestra, the, the conductor. She plays a conductor in that. Well, the, um, I mean, names aside and everything, you know, we, we know that he put together a great cast of people for the roles he was creating. They, they brought these characters to life for us. I'm not, it, it's hard, it's hard to say if nobody, if anybody else could have done better or worse, because I mean, you know, Billy Bean, Billy Bean, Sean Bean, I said Billy Bean, that's a baseball player, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, Sean Bean playing Boromir. You probably could have got somebody else to play Boromir and play it well. Look Absolutely. At Carl, you know, look at Carl Urban who did. But then when uh, Game of Thrones came out, you would have went, oh my God, it's Boromir. I did. <laughs> I was so mad when Eddard got beheaded. I'm like, how Boromir going to die twice? <laughs> yeah, somebody, I mean, he's, 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 he's typecasted now or something. What is What's up? Mm-hmm. He was also in uh, – National, the National Treasure movie game uh, that they had. Yeah, um, we we were talking too about how uh, you know books and movies are different too. And one one of the things that I love about Sean Bean's character about Boromir in the movies, um, and it's I don't know if it's one of the things that that uh, Tolkien's children are angry about because, and I don't know that's a whole other topic too. But uh, but anyway, there's a part uh, in the movie Boromir's death. Yes, the speech that he gave to Aragorn the words that he said to Aragorn were never in the book and and his character wasn't as impactful in the in the books as it was in the movie and I feel like you know the decision to put that in there so that 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 entire conversation was added where he said I would have followed you to the end my lord my liege my brother my king Mm -hmm. and that the addition of that that wasn't in the book and how it relates to what it did for the character and, and where it puts you in your uh, emotional connection to the movie was like, that was so great. That was just so great to see that the change in him, you know what I mean? And, and, and to take that character and, and build it into something that, that just became so meaningful in that moment. And, you know, we're talking about characters and people playing them. We left out, in my opinion, one of um, my favorite. Our greatest find. Well, one of our favorites from the I know first who you're going to say. You know, who am I going to say? Andy Serkis. Uh, no, 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 no. Andy oh, Serkis, okay. Well, Andy Serkis doing, doing Gollum is great, and he developed that type of stuff uh, big after that. He did a lot of other stuff like it. I think he's our greatest. I think he's our greatest takeaway from the movies because but, of everything he's done after. Yeah, but I love the fact that Liv Tyler was in it playing Arwen. Uh, was she not great? She was yeah, amazing too. There, there's a scene in it where they've already taken off and left the Shire. The basically, let's let's go and get to the movie real quick. So let's just say, let's do it. So we got you know it you know, it starts out it tells you the what happened years ago. Uh, the ring, uh-huh. the, the rings of power. What how they came about? How many of them were made? You know, you had three for the Elven Lords. You had um, how many was it for the Dwarf Lords? Was it four? The Dwarf uh, Lords. You had you had. 
No, was it? It was four, five, and seven, wasn't it? Well, I know there was there was three for the elves. There was uh, yeah. Had, I believe Elrond had one. I think Galadriel had had one. And who was the guy that they showed in that, that new series they made? They were showing the creation of the rings. Uh, I, I think he had the third one or something. I thought. I thought. Um, I thought that Orlando Bloom's dad had one. Yeah, he did because yeah, he was one of the yeah. originals. Yes, yes, exactly. You're right. So yeah, all right, so maybe there was four then. Uh, then, but you had so many for the elves, so many for the dwarves, and nine for men. Uh, right. Which, uh, then you had, but what they didn't know was was that Sauron the Deceiver, they call him, has made one ring in the background that he's using to control all the other rings, where he could inflict his his mentality, his his meanness, his gruesomeness, or whatever, in through these rings, which changed a lot of stuff. And eventually, over the years, it basically drove men, you know, crazy. Uh, whoever wielded the ring just went crazy at that point, and there was right. a lot of death, a lot of killing, and everything from that. And then they say eventually, right. the people stood up to him, which was you had the elves come together with men, and you know, went to fight the big fight at Mordor to, to break free from all this. So, yeah. Okay. So hold on. Let me, let me let me interrupt you real quick. Since we're bringing the show back to being a show instead of just two buddies sitting here chatting, <laughs> since we're trying to bring it back around, uh, there were the sixteen of the nineteen rings were forged. Uh, sixteen of the nineteen rings forged were given to the dwarves and men. Seven to the dwarves and nine to the men. The three that you're thinking of were the three rings forged by the elves without Sauron's touch, and those three rings were kept by the elves and hidden from Sauron. Okay. And we're not created for war, but for healing and protection. I'm glad you looked that up then. That, see that, that's yes, a, sir. That's definitely a key thing to know. Absolutely. But hey, but hey two buddies talking, you can't beat that either. I'm not, hey, we're in a, we keep it entertaining. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, I, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it, basically. Um, after they have the fight, and they look like they got things going their way. Sauron comes out of himself and starts cleaning house. And uh, the king at the time, Isildur, uh, right. goes to meet him head on and takes a swing that he can't stop. And it's basically, I, I guess, killed him. Uh, his son runs over there and goes to pick up the sword that his father had dropped. And Sauron, I guess, had stepped on it and shattered it or whatever. He takes the broken part of it by the uh, by the handle and swings it at him wildly and cuts off his fingers across his hand as he swings wildly at him. So the ring comes off, and this ends up putting an end to Sauron. So 2,500 years go by, and the ring is forgotten. This is, this is like the time frame between all this. This is really amazing on how long the story had been going. Because And I, and I bring this up because they did this thing on, was it Disney or was it Amazon? It was Amazon did that series about the ring. Which was atrocious. I kind of liked it for what it was. But I, I wanted to, I, I loved it. I honestly, the, I, the first two episodes, I was loving it. And then it was like, it just became too much because, you know, and, and this is where I understand Halo fanatics and, you know, other people. I, I am, out of everyone I know who is in love with something, I'm very forgiving about like even, even okay silver surfer i'm gonna harken back to it i'm gonna whine about this the rest of my life so <laughs> with with the infinity wars 
they, you know, Hulk and Bruce Banner are falling through the, getting plummeting through the roof of the, I can't remember the name of the building, but anyways, where Dr. Strange was. Right. That actually happened in the comic books and it was actually Silver Surfer. So like Thanos, people don't understand. You cannot have Thanos without Silver Surfer. They are yin and yang to, to one another in the comics. Yeah. So, you know, I, but I understood what they were trying to do when, when they got it all wrong. So what it is with the Lord of the Rings thing that they're doing on Amazon. <clears throat> so they make Galad- Galadriel and I guess they're trying to turn it around in the future or whatever, but they made Galadriel so not Galadriel. She's so uncharacteristic, which I know it makes for good TV, but then you take things that are in the books to where are in the lore to where, you know, you've got, you've got two people who didn't even live in the same time frame meeting each other and being the, the, the lady that she meets, um, I can't remember. I don't remember who she was, but um, there, there's a lady that she goes to their their kingdom and she meets her. The one at, at Numenor. At Numenor, yes. Okay, so the, the Numenor sank or was destroyed or something. Galadriel never met her. That woman died. So in Numenor, it was destroyed before Galadriel ever went there. And then you've got, you know, not well, Sauron. So to, to, just for a second. So Galadriel never went there in the books or anything like that as far as the Lord goes. The visions that the woman was having of Numenor being basically underwater and yeah. destroyed and stuff, and so that's what happened to Numenor. But she never in the books in the books, but she never actually her and Galadriel never spoke to one another at all in the books. They never met nothing. Okay, like so, it takes away from that whole. It 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 takes away from that part of the lore, and then what they did. I didn't mind so much what they did with Gandalf, but then putting not Sauron in as a love, as a quasi love interest. It seems like I didn't watch enough of it to know how it's going. I only watched, I think two and a half or three episodes. So it, but it seemed like they were definitely putting not Sauron in as her love interest at the moment. And it just, it just got to be too much. I was like, I can't do this. It kind of felt like that. Cause he, he, he took her from the sea basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, he, he rescues her. He says he took her from the sea. He knew who she was the whole time. Apparently was what was going on. Or he at least had a good idea, uh, but right. uh, it does show them too at kind of a, an add-ons, kind of at odds with each other most of the time, but still kind of drawn to each other in a sense. Yeah, um, and just whenever uh, they're kind of friendly and everything, I guess is when he starts making his big move on stuff. He tries to get her to to believe in him and change his his point of view and his way and all. And that's when you find out in while watching the series that you know uh, who he is at this point because the person who had fallen from the sky and these two people had showed up to take his side and said they were there for the man who was going to be the one to lead or something, the follower of so-and-so, uh, you think he is uh, Sauron. As it turns right. out, the guy that fell is not Sauron. Uh, it's the one who's with Galadriel. Oh, and, yeah, I knew that. I yeah, yeah. That's why I kept calling the one who was Galadriel, not Sauron. Because I knew immediately. Right. Well, I didn't know immediately. So I will, I will concede. I did not know immediately. I figured that was Sauron there for about ten minutes, and then I was like, "Oh no, that's Gandalf." So like, I I figured out really quickly that that was Gandalf that fell from the sky because Gandalf, with all of the wizards, and, and see, that's something that we don't touch on. That's another thing that we lost. I think if I remember correctly, that uh, the books actually did, the LFTR trilogy did touch on 
the Wizards being uh, Astari, which are pretty much the highest choir of angels, if you relate it to that. Um, So Gandalf is a higher being than him and Sauron are like equal beings, even though they show it not to be that way. Because Sauron is a it, it, Sauron is a servant of Morgoth, and he is a he's a a third creation, I guess you would say. So, like it, as far as from where the song is saying, if you go back to the Silmarillion, from where the music is saying, and then you bring in the uh, whatever Morgoth and all the other ones were called, I can't remember. They're like the second choir, and then the Astari comes right below them, and then the evil they called they called Sauron something different but he is technically in a story. So they're all kind of on the same level as being basically like angels, you know, angels and demons. So they're, that's how you would equate it. So their, their power level is like equivalent to one another, so, technically speaking. So take someone like me, who is not, you know, an expert or anybody like that on the Lord, the Lord of the Rings of completely. Like I did not read the Hobbit. I read, the uh-huh. I wasn't required to read the Hobbit in school for any reason. And no one ever introduced me to The Hobbit. I saw the cartoon. Okay. No one introduced me to the books when I was young about that. Um, Yeah. My first taste of the books was The Lord of the Rings with the Fellowship and then Two Towers and then Return of the King. Uh, And those were long and drawn out for me, even at the time when I read them as a (laughs) book. It's hard for me to take this in and really get into it. Uh, because they got it was like that for a lot of people too. Because remember, even the theatrical releases of the first movies were like two, two and a half hours long. Yeah, but at least in the movies when they released them, they, they it was easier to follow. Like in, in the book, when they're calling Gandalf, uh, there's Gandalf, there's Gandalf Stormcrow, there's Mithrin, what Mithrandil, Mithrandil, Mithrandil. I mean, you can always that's what, uh, yeah, Mithrandil is what, um, Galadriel calls it. Yeah, you get all these different names for them and everything. I'm trying to follow this through, and then you got the names of the people who are kings, the names of the kingdoms. They're all big, like Theoden and Aowen and Theorem. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big crazy names and everything. I'm like, you know, where's like Michael and Charles and Joe? And, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, no kidding. You can, you can bring some Ricky. There's, the, there's no Mike or there, Steve. Right? There's a Mike or yeah. Steve everywhere. At least a Chris. Exactly. exactly. I mean, come on. But no, I mean, so. I'm not real deep in the lore, so when I'm watching this new thing that Amazon put out, it gets to the point where I realize finally, and I get this feeling come on me like, oh, man, how did I miss this, you know? I didn't know yeah. at the time he was Sauron, but I'm like, I should have known because they called him Sauron the Deceiver, and this is what he's been right. doing to her the whole time, is deceiving her on his point of view and who he was and everything else. And then at the end of it, when the one guy is going off with the Hobbit, they're looking off in the distance. She's like, "What? Which way should we go?" And he's like, mm-hmm. "I think we should go down this way." He says, "When in doubt, always follow your nose." And I'm like, "Right, right." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Right. I'm like, that's Gandalf. I'm like, "How?" Heck yeah. So I'm like, you know, this is all big for me at the time. I didn't know these, and I wasn't a huge lore follower of it or anything to know all these things like it. So right, I, think, I picked up a little bit off of that. And you know now that I know it's not 100 percent useful with the book and everything, inconsistency with it, I mean it makes a difference to me. But see, like I said too, I can forgive those things too as as a fan, I can forgive those things. But when it goes, it, it got too far to, um, we we left Tolkien behind and we got too far into our 
today's how do i say this today basically today's political agenda i could see that shining through it blatantly it was we abandoned we abandoned our beloved lore and and this world builder who you know has inspired i mean you take nearly anything that came after the original lord of the ring publications and you can see lord of the rings in it so tolkien has touched so much of the world culture, not just to, not just what we get into. Tolkien books and stories touched the entire world's and, and shaped the entire world's culture uh, as far as storytelling is concerned. And to take that and in my mind, you know, as a fan uh, and, and an admirer of the man, to take that and 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 seemingly disregard every bit of it to fit into our today's. Uh, politically charged social narrative really turned me off too. So that, that was one of the things that turned me off about it as well. I can forgive, I can forgive like the little things, Uh, the Harfoots, the Harfoots are hobbits. Why can't we call them hobbits? They they are a tribe of hobbits, you know? Yeah. It it even said that in the movie that were, you know, well, he's listing off. I mean, Bilbo's listing off all the different ones. It seems like. Yeah. The proud foot. And the guy goes, proud feet. Right. Right. I mean, we're so we're so we're, we're celebrating Bilbo's 111th birthday, and Gandalf is making his appearance back. And he's coming back for his birthday. Uh, he meets up with um, Frodo along the way. They have a little conversation about stuff, and so they get there. And they're having the festival starts. The whole thing is going on. They're doing fireworks, and of course, Pippin and uh, Mary get into the Mary. They they get into the stuff and set off the big banger <clears throat> at the end too early. Get in trouble because that's what they do. They're little mischievous hobbits. Right. Leave it to a took, they say, you know. Leave it to a took. Fool of a took. Peregrine took. Well, you got Gandalf. I mean, not Gandalf. I'm sorry. You got Bilbo giving his speech of how he's leaving, and he suddenly disappears. People are crazy. Like, where did he go? What happened? He just disappeared, you know. And he's just giggling and laughing on his way up to to back in. And Gandalf had already got a bit ahead of him. And, you know, like, I guess you thought that was mighty cute, didn't you, Bilbo? Talks about magic rings and how they're not to be used lightly. And uh, he right. talks, talks him into leaving the ring behind for Frodo. He's leaving everything else behind for Frodo. Well, Gandalf, when he goes to pick it up, I guess, gets a vision of the eye of Sauron at that point. He doesn't touch it, leaves it there. And he, you see him off to the side, just dwelling on thought, thinking about this ring when Frodo comes in and sees it and picks it up. No problem. Uh, he tells him to put a little envelope. He seals it shut. He's going to go take care of some things and check some things out. He's going to go check out this ring and everything because he's, he's heard the name Precious uttered by Bilbo. And he says, right. Before he recognized that in a sense. So he wants to confirm his suspicions, yes or no, hoping it's not it. So when he finally comes back to the Shire again to check things out, he uh, throws it in the fire and just says, you know, flame will reveal yeah because he read he read uh i believe it was i believe it was actually a fildor's um like journalistic writings right. where he right. said it is it is precious to me yes and it was like the, right. the way the flames come in peter jackson was so great with this movie too because the way the flames you know he was reading this and you get this ominous feeling like this, dude this movie these this entire movie series is just such a cinematic milestone and this is is historically just like this was such a, you know, I mean, this is our ah moment, you know, yeah. I, when this came out, it was just so amazing. And even today, I feel like it stands up to anything that, yes, you know, yeah. we can watch other movies from that time and see 
the special effects and things that are going on. I'm like, wow, really? Like that did not hold up well. Oh, Lord okay. of the Rings, not so. And there's only a few movies out there for me where they have put the scenery, the background, the way they've done the edits and everything with the special effects, the music involved with it. Oh, the score was just, yeah. Everything coming together as one and making it be as as powerful as this was. This is how great Peter Jackson did this. So we find out, out, unfortunately, (laughs) this is the ring, right? This is the ring of power. And it's got to be taken out of the Shire because Gandalf has already heard that the people over there in Mordor have already found out they had got Gollum and found out from him two words. It was Baggins and Shire. And that's going to lead them there. And Frodo's trying to give it to Gandalf, who won't take it. And he tells you at this point, don't, don't you know, misunderstand. I would want to do good, but a ring of that power on me, I could do terrible, terrible things with. Which falls back right. to you talking about earlier about how him and Sauron might, or Sauron might be kind of like on a level with each other in a sense. With that yeah. ring, he could be just as evil and powerful as Sauron was. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And he gets. It's uh, funny to me too, where we we were just talking about that too. Something else just entered my mind, <clears throat> especially with with what I said about how Tolkien's works has, have have influenced uh, so much other. So when when Isildur cut the ring from Sauron's hand and defeated Sauron and Sauron disappeared or whatever, okay. So this is because with the Ring of Power, and they they talk about this nonstop, uh, how the Ring of Power is of Sauron. Sauron he poured himself into it. So basically, the Ring of Power is Sauron's Horcrux. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that, that is hilarious. <laughs> when you, when you I never thought. I just it, thought about that. When you think about it that way, that is so funny. Yeah, because we were talking about Harry Potter before the show too. So I was like, "Wow, is it, that's his Horcrux." Right, right. Uh, so we got now. We got to get rid of this ring. It's going to get the Shire because if they come to the Shire, they're going to just pretty much probably kill everybody there. So you got yep. Frodo. We find out that Samwise Gamgee is dropping some eaves. We'll say. Yeah, I work. Tor- dropping no eaves. Sam got Samwise, who who uh, Tolkien himself called the chief hero of Lord yeah. of the Rings. Samwise yeah. is the real hero. I mean, technically, if you think about it, if you watch all when watching all three of them to the end, Samwise might be the the real hero. Absolutely, because think about this too. This is what I always bring up: the ring corrupted everyone who touched it, except Sam. Sam carried it for what it, you know. You don't get this time frame in the movies. Uh, you know, unless you unless you really sit down and analyze it, so you're not given, you're not understanding that this journey and the events that took place were years in the making. You know what I mean? It seems like it happens over a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but these these were actually a couple of years that this happened. So Samwise carried the ring for, you know, easily three to six months without Frodo knowing it, and never had a problem. And then it held it up like I kept it safe for you. You know what I mean? It never, it never even weighed him down because Sam was so superior to himself. Even you know what I mean? He was so pure and good that 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 that, that evil couldn't even touch him. I'm telling you, if they had if they had done this the movie series like we discussed earlier, a hundred percent by the books, we would have not had a trilogy. We would have had a trilogy times three. We would have had nine movies. <laughs> no drawing, doubt. No drawing doubt. out from beginning to end because they left a lot out. and did. But, but still, even though they left a lot out of the books, they made an excellent movie version for people to follow and love. 
I and cannot imagine it being any better. I, I cannot imagine it being one percent better. He, he took the major characters, the major most important characters, and me and you mm -hmm. always me and you always bring up Tom Bombadil because Tom Bombadil was right. part of the movies. But in the first in the first quarter of the book, it's all about Tom Bombadil and what he's doing. They haven't even left the Shire yet, and yep. it's about you know Tom Bombadil and his his part of it in there. But you know, th that aside from it. When they do finally pick up and leave, it's him and Sam. They're leaving. They run into Mary and Pippin along the way, who are stealing vegetables from the farmer's garden again. And they mm -hmm. end up in the woods with each other, trying to get away and hide. But at that point, that's when one of the first riders arrive. And there's looking right. for Pluto and the ring. And they go and hide. And you think he's they got to go to Buckberry Ferry. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's got him sniffed out and he's found him. He's right above him, looking, you know. And he's like, mm -hmm. the ring can tell he's nearby. And it's, it's it's causing Frodo that crazy and stuff, and uh, even the the worms and the bugs from the ground. This is how this is how how visual it is. The bugs are so afraid of the wraith that's there, or they're escaping as quick as they can from where he's at. They don't mm -hmm. want to stay near it. So he, they finally take off, and he's right there again. He finds them. They get caught up, right. take off running. They hit the ferry, jump across, and realize there's another one 20 miles down. Well, now he turns around to go back, but three more cross in front of him. Now we got four of them there, four of the nine. Right. Um, so where did they went to? Bree? Yeah, they were going to uh, the Prancing uh, Pony. Prancing Pony and Bree. Yeah, the Prancing Pony and Bree. They go there to Which Bree. is actually uh, the wraiths are coming in the door, and the little night watchman is sitting there with his eyes closed. And Strider has him in the different room right now on the movie in the background. All right. All right. So, we're actually at that point right now in the movie that I turned on before the you, show. You were there right there where we called it to this, but that's awesome. So we, they run there. They're supposed to be Gandalf there. Gandalf's not there because Sauron has revealed his change in allegiance, who's now partnered with Sauron now. And he's got Gandalf there, prisoner, where he can't get away. Mm -hmm. uh, so now he's a, you know, what they refer to as Strider is there. They yes. asked, like, he's been keeping an eye on them, and they asked the bartender who the guy in the corner is. He calls him Strider. Um, one of those ranger types, you know, real, real dangerous types. And the ranger up, from the north. So he ends up getting picked up um, by Strider, who is actually Aragorn, and taken to a room after he accidentally falls down, the ring flies out of his hand and falls on his finger perfectly, and he disappears. Yes. Uh, so he's, you know, they, he's basically laying out for them what is trailing them and how he should be scared because of what they are. And uh, they set up a little thing. He said, you, uh, he said you, you draw far too much attention to yourself, Mr. Underhill. Underhill. Mr. Mr. Underhill. Yes. So uh, fun scene there. They go in, they start stabbing at the bed and there's nothing but pillows and blankets and stuff. And they're across the way looking from across the, at a different end, watching down and they're making this awful noise, shrieking noise, and they jump awake. Except, I think Frodo was already awake, sitting inside the bed. And he asked them about who they were. He said they used to be a, you know, they used to be men, you know, right. lions kings and everything. Uh, and now they're just, you know, I think he called them ring wraiths, is what he called. Yes, them. yes, uh, they're they're wraiths. They used yeah. to be men, and now they're wraiths corrupted by the power of Sauron or something like that. I can't remember it. Uh, ring wraith and Nazgul, same thing. Okay, so the Nazgul Nazgul is a place, and uh, the, I think the Nazgul were also uh, uh, no, I'm incorrect. I believe the Nazgul were actually those big 
leather, these big lizard things that they were riding on, the flying things. Okay. I okay. think. I'm not sure that I wanna, either. Yeah, I, I really don't remember the Nazgul. Look it up and see what you find from it. I, I am I, in I, the I'll, process. That's all, I'll pick up from there. They they go ahead and leave with Strider. He's going to take them out into the woods. Okay, so they are the Nazgul. I'm sorry. My bad. They, Nazgul is actually the black speech word for Ringwraith. So actually, they are Nazgul. But the Nazgul is actually black speech, which is weird that they call him that so much in the show because when Gandalf spoke black speech, you know, the, the time or two that he did and the things started shaking and all that. And then uh, when, 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 I'm sorry, when Frodo saw the words, uh, he said it looks like Elvish, but it's different. And he said that's because it's the black speech words, which I will not utter here. Right, you know, so it's strange that they would use the black speech so much. Exactly, and and that upcoming is one of my favorite parts in the movie. They mm -hmm. take it off with um, with with the, with the Aragorn, and there's a little humor too. You, know, you got to appreciate the little subtle humor. You know, and I think it's Mary. Which one's no? Uh, which one's the one that always gets in trouble all the time? Pippin. That's Pippin. That's Pippin. All right, Pippin. Wait, so he's Pippin. The one, he got to talk about second breakfast? Yes. What about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Like, I do this all the time. I used to do this so much. He'd annoy people. Yeah. We get done. He said, I And we're going to go leave. I'll be like, okay, that was good. But what about second breakfast? Elevensies? <laughs> Toosies? <laughs> Afternoon tea? Dinner? Yeah. Summer? So, uh, but anyway, they're taking off through there. And he's like, I don't think he knows about second breakfast. I'm sorry. Then the apple comes flying back, hits him in the head. As an example, but they're taking off to this one place. I forget what they call the watch area. It used to, it used to be a place of importance. They had a watch set up for things going on. They're yeah, gonna, uh, weather top. Weather top. Okay. And Aragorn, I guess, has gone to gather some stuff they may need uh, for the night. While Frodo is falling asleep, the other goobers are making bacon and stuff out there, attracting attention. You know, cooking and all this other stuff. And he said, what are you fools doing? And he's stomping out the fire like, well, we're just making some bacon and some tomatoes and all this stuff. And then you hear that shriek again. I'm like, uh-oh, they found them. Yeah, they saw them. They so found he, them. This was a, uh, to me, this was a, a an awesome fight scene because these ring wraiths are supposed to be the most powerful thing out there coming for the ring, right? They're coming yeah. together. They're, they're, a, they're a, the, the nine are a powerful group of people. But Aragorn takes them on by himself practically. I don't know if the whole nine were there or not, but the point is five. Was it was least, five of them. There was at least I would say there was at least five or six for sure. Yeah, it was five. Uh, we got we got we got uh, Frodo getting injured in it. He puts the ring on and tries to hide, but he realizes he can't hide from them that way. They see him still, and he gets stabbed while he's in that shadow world or whatever by the blade. And now mm -hmm. he's 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 destined now to turn into one of them. And, yes, uh, that was a Morgul blade. So when they get to take him off, he has to get Elvish medicine, he says, beyond my healing power. This brings up one of my favorite parts, because Arwen has already uh, met up with them out there. She has found Aragorn in the wild. You don't know it at first, because all you hear is some woman sneaking up behind him with a blade to his throat, saying, what's this, a ranger without his blade? Right. So, along those lines. Anyway, he goes and she's there. It's her. And she takes off with him to get him to her father. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and it's kind of a, a, a powerful scene to me, the way she's uttering the words at the river. She's at the river. And she's right. And they're like, give up the halfling she elf. And she's like, if you want him, come and claim him. You know, and they're like, they she whips out her sword, holds it up, and they whip theirs out. And they're coming across the water. And she starts talking in Elvish. 
around the water and the way they make it sound where her her voice the each verse is echoing over the other and yeah it gives they got the echo and the reverb like a, all in there that, it's like a powerful feel to it you know and then the last part of it's got like a commanding look and she looks up with her eyes like you know like this is it right here you know when she says it boom and all of a sudden you see the waters the rapids coming around the corner and then they look like horses. That was so yes. cool. A horse is coming out. Everything of the they did. And, and see, the, the, the other beautiful thing about this, too, is the, the watchtower, high top, the watchtower of Anne Monsour, uh was everything looked so grand. I think the watchtower was the first time in the movie, a high top or the watchtower, whichever one you want to call it. Um, it's the first time where you got to truly see this really grand landscape you know what i mean because they're atop the tower and you know, you're you're still seeing these beautiful grand landscapes but I, I thought that was the first like super powerful like wow look at this what is this is crazy because it's all tall in the air and and you know talking about the the river the way it turned into the horses and then when they do go further in and go to the woodland elves realm the the cinematography and the way that they just the way that they did this you know and we were talking about peter jackson his brilliance you know and it, it's on it's on everyone involved truly too, because, you know, you think about um, another fun fact, did you know uh, <clears throat> that Aragorn, the, uh, the man that played Eric Viggo Mortensen, uh, he took his horse during the six years they spent filming this movie. Oh, I think it was three, three to six, between three and six years. Uh, this man lived in the woods with his horse, like the horse that he rides in this movie. That was like, he took that horse, refused to stay in the hotels. I mean, like, he'd go in and ha and do things, you know, and go in and clean himself, whatever. But this man basically lived camping in the woods in order to truly get into character and get into, you know, as we know, this uh, the film was, all the films were filmed for the most part in New Zealand. So to get in tune with the with the landscape and to get in tune with his horse and to, to get in the mindset and mind frame of his character and what he must be going through living out here, being this lonely ranger from the north. You know what I mean? And, and just like the commitment level that you have when Sam uh, we'll, we'll get to it in a second, I'm sure. Well, I know we will because part of the movie. But when Sam is running out, uh, when Frodo is going to leave the, the fellowship and Sam goes running out into the water to get him. This dude cut his foot almost in half, like on a piece of glass in the in the river, and did not even stop. When Aragorn, I, th I think it's the second movie, uh, when Merry and Pippin, they're they're going after Merry and Pippin, and the Urukai have have captured him. When he kicked the helmet, that scream was real. The man broke two of his toes when he kicked that helmet. Like everybody's commitment and and the level of of what it, it engrosses you. They got so into it that it pulls the watcher into it. So it's like, it's can't say enough about these movies, man. To give you something else to run off on that right there. Do you remember when before uh, Bilbo leaves for the elves and everything, uh, Gandalf has arrived to talk to him about the party and everything. And he's turning around. He, 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 he walks into the chandelier thing as it puts it aside turns around <laughs> yeah. the walkway and hits his head. Okay. Yes. That, that was not supposed to be in there. He wasn't supposed to hit his head. Uh, right, right. It, it says Sir Ian McKellen banged his forehead against the beam accidentally, and Peter Jackson thought McKellen did a great job acting through the mistake, and so he kept it in. It, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was perfect little humor, little aspect of humor, and he still acted through it as the professional that he is and everything. You know, no doubt, no doubt. 
So stuff like and not that. only that, that and see that that's another thing too. The way that they did, um, you know how Gan the hobbits and the people when they were up close, um, you know a lot of it was CGI. But when they were up close, do what they did was they uh, a lot of the size difference perspective wise was done in camera. So it was done with like, you know, someone being in the foreground and someone being in the background, but then both cameras being put together to make it something that's commonplace now. And, and it, back then it was, it was revolutionary because they used the camera magic to, to make this happen. And I think that's one of the reasons that the effects stand up so well today. I said, alluded to that earlier, but it, it's because it's all done in a more realistic type of way. And then like your Uruk Hive, that's not CGI, that's people in costumes, you know, and you could take like Tim Curry in Legend as the devil. That's still one of the very best devils I've ever seen ever on, on the screen, ever. So when we get past all this right here with uh, with uh, Arwen taking out uh, the, the riders that are there for him, the next thing we know, uh, we've got Frodo waking up in uh rivendell what was your first thoughts of rivendell when you seen it on screen for oh my gosh all its glory and everything you read it in the book about what it's supposed to look like in your mind but right. when you see it on camera the way they made how rivendell looked and appeared it could be a place where you can see yourself wanting to be yeah and see that and i said a while ago that i felt like that when i got to the watchtower that was like the first you know grandiose scale where you were like wow look at this i think when they got to when they got to the to the woodland realm it, it was the first breathtaking moment because it was just like wow it was awe-inspiring you know what i mean this yeah couldn't believe that it looked like that it was, yeah you're right like it was like you know like fairyland or fern gully come to life or something man it was right. just amazing right and, and and we were talking about people hurting themselves a while ago i'm looking here Liv Tyler accidentally stabbed herself in the right thigh while filming. If you want him, come and claim him. During that, really, scene. I didn't know that. Yeah, since the footage was featured in bloopers and outtakes. Oh, I missed that one. They so, were it was all everybody. They were also committed. It, it was crazy. They said they had. I remember that they had. Um, you know, the extras. A lot of the extras were uh, natives from New Zealand, and you know they just the towns, the, the New Zealand as a country were committed to to making this epic film creation happen too so i mean it was just they were all so accommodating and passionate about making this thing happen like they did did you see the uh the group tattoo that they got to to commemorate the movie with each other yeah but i don't remember what it was so the the people of the fellowship they got the elvish symbol for nine as a tattoo Heck yeah. And Peter Jackson received an Elvish 10. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so so we're at Rivendell now. We're getting the visual of Rivendell. It's awesome. It's breathtaking. It's all this good stuff they make it out to be. And we have to uh, we go to some Rivendell. Stuff. I thought they went to the Woodland Realm. Right. I thought Rivendell. Did they go to Rivendell first? Oh, no. That's right. Yeah. Rivendell. Yeah. So I yeah. was backwards. I was thinking of the Woodland Realm. Woodland Realm comes after because that's where that's where Galadriel's at. Rivendell is like where all the waterfalls are. Right, the waterfalls where you got um, uh, Elrond and all these people there. Uh, I think that Rivendell was the most amazing thing that they did, like as far as a landscape. I think amazing. I think Rivendell was the most breath, most breathtaking and most beautiful thing that they did throughout the entire trilogy. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely nice. I, I like the setup and how it looked and everything. And you got Gandalf talking with Elrond, and Elrond, uh, Gandalf's hoping Elrond will help with the ring and take the ring. It's what yeah, he, he wants to get it out of uh, out of the hands of of um, Frodo as, as as quick as he can, basically. Um, mm -hmm. But Elrond tells him he cannot do this. This is not our problem this time around. We're not doing this again. We're about to leave this area. You know, what will you do when we're not here anymore? Yeah, because they were getting ready to go to the un, the Undying Lands. Right, so they're going to put it in the in the you know, according to Gandalf, it needs to go to the the, the men. Men must take uh -huh. this now and do this stuff. And he's like, well, men aren't aren't strong. You know, they can't handle or whatever is what Elrond's trying to say. But he said there is one that could unite them. That and that and men failed last time with his right. door. Right, they're 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 corrupted more easily. Yeah, when they say the strength of men, they're not talking about just for our listeners. <laughs> they're not talking about you know physical strength. They're talking about the strength of character and right. the the strength to be able to make the decision to to resist that temptation and do what needs to be done. Right. So he tells them basically they're going to have to bring everybody in on this. Everybody's going to come in, and it's good. decisions going to have to be made on who's going to take care of it because it's not going to be the elves, basically. Right. So now we bring in all these people from other areas. You have Boromir coming in. Uh, representing uh, Gundor. Um, you've got a couple of other humans. I don't know who they are or where they're from. Unless they came with him, I don't know. But you got right. three, I think it was three dwarves. There was, there was Gimli, there was Gloin, and one no, other. No, it wasn't Gloin, because Gloin's, de Gloin's dead by then. Gimli is, is the son dead? of Gloin. Is he dead by then? I thought he was one of the ones that was with him. Well, I don't think he was. Gimli's son of Gloin. He may not. He may have been with him. I thought Gloin was, was, had passed by then. Let's see who are. Let's look it up real quick. Who are the dwarves that show up at Rivendell? I love how later in so okay, so the Hobbit come before the Lord of the Rings, the books. Okay, right. but we all know the trilogy came. The, the movie trilogy came after. I love when Gloin is in their fellowship, their company, and he's showing pictures of his son Gimli. And so he actually meets. He's hanging out with. Uh, I know, like I know the back of my hand, and I can never remember it. But Legolas, 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 uh, Legolas <laughs> like Legolas saw a picture of Gimli when he was a baby. So like, I thought that was really neat how they did that. Well, for what I'm looking here, they're talking about uh, the the three dwarves are surviving members of Bilbo's original expedition to the Lonely Mountain in The Hobbit. It's because of them that Gloin has come to Rivendell to be a part of the Council of Elrond. Uh, okay. So Gloin the, is there. So in the minds of Moria, we found out that Bali, Balin, Bali, whatever his name, he was he's dead. Yeah, Balin, yeah. Yeah, he's dead. He's no he's no longer there. Um, and it says the snaky tentacle thing at the western gates of Moria killed um Oin. Mm -hmm. That's the one he pulled into the water. Yep, that was the one that he pulled into the water. And Ori's fate is unknown, but as he is the one who wrote the Chronicle of the Deaths of the Two. My senses, we cannot get out. The end comes. They are coming. He's there, they're pretty sure he died in Moria as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so, so Gloin was there. He was one of them. I thought he was. Okay. Um, here's something that says, Dane, king of the Undermountain, uh, king under the mountain, dwarf lord of the Lonely Mountain, stronghold. He became king under the mountain when the death of Thor and Oakenshield at the end of The Hobbit. Is he one of the people there? Dane sends Gloin to Rivendell to warn Bilbo that he is sought by the enemy and to learn it may be, but he desires the ring. Okay. 
So he's, I don't guess he's one of them. Anyway, yeah. they're, they're going so, through all anyway. the dwarf names. It's not important who they all were, but we had definitely Gimli there. You got Legolas there. You got, you know, Boromir's there. Aragorn's already there. You got the hobbits that are there. You got Gandalf and all that stuff. They're all fighting over who should take the ring because Boromir wants to take it and wield it against the enemy. And Aragorn's right. trying to say, you cannot, none of us can wield this ring. It only enters the star himself. Mm-hmm. Um, they start fighting amongst each other on who's going to do what. Um, and, you know, you got Frodo stepping up going, I'll take it. You know, this is stupid. I'll just take it. You know, and then all of a sudden everybody gets all teary-eyed and heartfelt. Like, whoa. Yeah, he said, though I do not know the way. And there again, the the, ca- the camera shot where, where Gandalf just, you know, they're, even Gandalf's over there yelling and shouting. And then he just the... The, the look that comes over his face and the way he just relaxed and then the the humbleness and, and love, you know, and the way he the way he turned and looked. It was just man. Every it's like every single scene in this movie is is powerful. It it, it does feel that way. And you, you finally see them, he says, I do not know the way. I'll need someone to show me or tell me. And then you got, you know, Aragorn stepping up first, you know, I'll protect you, you have my sword and you got Gimli, you got Legless, you got my bow, and then you get a Gimli compare, and you have my axe. And then, of course, yeah. Sam comes running out of nowhere. Like, well, you can't keep me from going, ha ha. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And then Mary and Pip run out too. Well, they're going, we're going. He's like, yeah, indeed. It seems yeah. like he, or Elrond said, indeed. Yeah. It yeah. seems like right. it, it, what, you're impossible to separate, even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. <laughs> right. Right. So he looks around and goes, nine people. A fellowship. We have a fellowship of the ring. It's the name and everything there. So they're going to take off and go with it. Um, from this point, there's not a lot of the movie left. Uh, they're leaving. Unless you're watching the extended version, because right. from this point in the extended version, you've still got oh, about three, it wouldn't know, probably about two hours. And this is that happens probably, I would say, about an hour and 45 minutes in. Hang on, yeah. I'll tell you exactly where it's happened since I've got it pulled up on my television. <laughs> and, I, and I do always watch the extended version. So yeah, you're about you're about an hour and forty five minutes in, and the extended version is three hours and forty eight minutes long. All right. So, uh, but if we're going with the basic right now, if we're just going with that. They got one more major stop to make in the movie, and that's them and you know the the woodland realm. I think it was, wasn't it? Where they yes, where, where Holdier finds him. Uh, yes. And they're, you know, Aragorn's like, you know, we need, we're seeking protection or we need help or something. I thought it was funny because Gimli's telling the hobbits, be very careful. There's supposed to be a witch living here and she's very powerful. And they say she does right. things or something. And he, but don't worry, I've got the ears of something and the eyes of something else. Hey, yeah. Around. And then, I, then they're surrounded. <laughs> he turns around, everybody's there. And there's, a, there's an arrow right in his face between his eyes. And Holder's yeah. like, the dwarf bleeds. The dwarf breathes so loud we could have shot him in the dark. <laughs> right. Um, so well, I do here. believe, and it, it, it may be because it's the extended version. But I thought that they went through. Uh, I could have sworn they went through the mines of Moria before that happened. Was it the mines of Moria before Rivendell or after? No, you're right. It was they, after Rivendell. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. They left Rivendell. They were. Uh, you're, I'm so sorry. Because they were right. going Thank through. You. They were going through Godric's past, yeah. and then were, the ravens came, and yeah. and they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So they went up the mountain so, instead, and then Sar uh, Saruman put danger on the mountain at that point on them. Yes, yeah, so he was chanting and everything, and then all the, the big avalanche happened, so they were forced to go through the mines of Moria. Right. Well, it actually, what, when it come to that, he was like, we'll let the ring bearer decide, is what Gandalf Yeah, said. yeah, yeah, he that's right. Want, yeah. He didn't want to go to the mines, because he knew what lied in the mines. Right. He didn't want to go. It was too dangerous a path to go. And plus, he had already he feared already that Balin was gone. Yeah. Well, he had understood. So, of course, Frodo makes the worst decision ever. We will go through the mines. You know, so here we go. We're going through the mines. Now, they get there, and they fight off that tentacle thing as well. When they finally get in, uh, they get there. And, and then they, they have to say, speak friend. That was one of the things I loved when they were speak friend and enter. And they see they spend seemingly hours on top of hours trying to figure it out. Yeah. And in front, I was like, what's the Elvish word for friend? And he's like, Melon. And then the doors open. Just say friend. It's a riddle. It's a riddle. Just say friend. So you know, they, they, they find out you're right. I, I can't believe I missed. I didn't overshot this. Because that's like one of the best fights in the movie. Well, I can't say every fight to me is the best fight in the movie. But they get in there yeah. and, and Pippin, leave it to Pippin, to little to not pinch, pinch, pinch this little piece off the helmet or something, and the helmet and the head falls off straight down into the well. And it pulls the rest and of the armor down. Makes and it pulls this weight all down. Kinds and it of pulls the bucket down. Yeah. The down. And then it's, when it's done, he's like, uh, sorry, you know, uh, didn't mean that, and you know, again, also mad. He's like, "Fool of a duke!" Next time, throw You're this out right. there and be done with it. Yeah, so, but now you start hearing the noises. Here they come. So Boromir runs to shut the door, and an arrow whizzes by his head into the door. They say he's like, he's like, they got a cave troll with them. Here we go. Yeah, a uh, pretty good fight. That's when you realize uh, during that part that. Um, uh, uh, Frodo's got the Mithrin, the was the, the, the Mithril, the Mithril vest on. They thought he should have been killed at that point, but it didn't penetrate the Mithril. Uh, so they right. go up there and they keep going. Uh, then they run to the Balrog. Balrog. That's, that's the main reason why yeah. he didn't go through there. Right, because of the Balrog. He knew he was there. He did not want to go. But now they face it. You can see the look on his face. He talked about like the powerful looks and all. He's got the look where he's got his eyes shut and he's his heads down like. Oh no, no, and he looks up and's like, We got to run, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So we get the iconic phrase there for the movie where he stops at the bridge and the others are gone, and the Balrog is there waiting to come after him, and he's telling him who he is, the wielder of this and that, and you cannot, you know, you're you cannot, you shall not pass. Mm -hmm. As he stomps the thing that he stabs into the ground and holds tight with it. And as soon as he steps out there on the thing, it gives way with his weight, and the Balrog falls down. You think it's done with. When I first saw the theater, I was like, ooh, oh, that was cool. You know, he's like, you yeah, know, Gandalf fighting this big thing, and he, he takes the first hit of the sword when he tells him he's the the, the wielder of some flame thing of the flame of Balrog or something like that. Uh, and then, you know, does that thing where he falls down. I think this is cool. And last, all of a sudden, you see the whip come back up and grab him by the ankle. You're like, no! Not Gandalf, you know, when you first watch. I movie. know. You're he's so like, fly, you fools. Yeah, you're so into Gandalf, and you, you lose him right there with a lot more left to go after they leave there. Yeah. They go seek protection in the woodland realm. It's after that. Yeah. So just a, just a quick stop right there, too. 
uh, one of the things, as far as the Lord is concerned, one of the things that I loved about that too is when uh, he said, you know, you shall not pass. Uh, he's, well, I'm the keeper of, I forgot what he said, but when he, when he stomped it, when he, when he, he didn't stomp it, but he slammed his uh, staff into the bridge there and he caught, he said, flame of Udun. So the flame of Udun, uh, Udun was Morgoth's oldest for- fortress in the north. So the flame of Udun is Udun was the fortress. So that's where the Balrogs, oh, that's no. where Morgoth created the Balrogs to come from. Here it is, right here. The, the quote he says, You cannot pass. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Anor. The dark fire. You've got a flame of Anor. Yeah, the dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun. Go back yeah, to the and then he's, and he says, You shall not pass. And he slams it. Down. Yeah. And so yeah. there were lots of Balrogs, and that Balrog uh, was Durin's Bane, who was nowhere near even close to the strongest Balrog ever either. But Durin's Bane, I thought that was cool too, because you hear the name Durin in the uh, movie a few times. He was named based on, shoot, I cannot remember it. It's like, it's something about killing King, because Durin was a king or a place, and I don't remember what it was, but that particular Balrog, when, I think that's what it was. He was the king in Khazad-dûm when they awoken, when they when they woke up the Balrog, when they dug so deep that they woke the Balrog that he destroyed Durin. And so that's why he was called Durin's Bane. I think that's okay. what it was. Okay. Know, I thought cool. that was a cool piece of lore. Because I, I played, dude, I'm so into Tolkien, man. I played the video games and all this stuff. So each uh, Shadow of Mordor, um, so it, you, you fight Balrogs in that video game, and each Balrog has its own story, and, it's, and, it, it, and it, it aligns with Tolkien's lore, too. So See, it's I pretty always, cool. I always wondered if the games were fun to play or not. Oh, they're so good. I'm going to look into those, actually. I'm going to have to do that. They're really fun. And what they do with Shelob in them is great, too, because Shelob, yeah. the great spider, which we'll, I think we'll also get to in this movie. No. No, no that's, that's two towers. No. That's yeah, two, two towers, towers yeah. Um, I think it's two towers. It is. Anyway. It is because because this movie ends with uh, with Sam and and uh, Frodo in the boat and um, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli running off to get Pippin and and Mary. Right. Because that's what. Oh, oh, we'll get to it. I'll bring it up when we get to that part of the movie. But one of my favorite part of the movie is during that point. Okay. So we're we're almost there though. But I got a question yeah. for you. Uh, when they when they go to the um, to the woodland realm, there where where Galadriel is, uh, is it only in the extended version? And I just watched this earlier, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I was playing my game while I was listening to the movie. <laughs> right. So I didn't pay attention and look on the screen. Uh, is I'll it tell only you- the extended, or did she give them each something? In the regular version of it, without the I, she did, but she did give them each something. But I don't think the, the scene was as long as it was. And to be a hundred percent honest, I have not seen the theatrical version since I watched it in the movies. Like I okay. only watched the extended, See, so I, I don't. I'm not positive, but it seems like they would have to because the leaves of Lorien do not idly fall. And then she, of course, gave Frodo the uh, the doggone well, light what i'm thinking is is maybe she in the in the regular before the extended she only gave they only show her giving the the i think light. you're right because they they don't show gimli asking for a lock of her hair that he right. talks about later he got a lock of her hair she gave sam rope right um 
And then uh, I think Aragorn got a dagger. I don't remember. I don't remember what she gave Aragorn. No, she didn't give Aragorn anything. She didn't give Aragorn anything because she saw he had he had the evening star. He was wearing the evening star. Yeah. She said, I cannot give you anything greater than what's already been given to you. Oh, I just got cold chills. Yeah. I just got cold chills. <laughs> she gave uh she did give she gave Legolas something. She gave I think she might have given Legolas the dagger because of you know the people, his being her he Legolas is technically related to her distantly. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, she's his great great aunt or something like that. Yeah, um, I don't remember what she did for Boromir either. I, I remember though that Boromir was really touched by the place they went to. Uh, he he said he would not find no peace there, but there was a voice in his. There's been a voice in his head, and it's telling him that even now there's hope. And he said, "Hope is something my people have not had for a long time." Yes. Uh, so she's in all their heads talking to each one of them individually as well mm -hmm. as talking out loud or something. She's also talking to Frodo, you know, mentally like, you know, Frodo Baggins, the one who has seen the eye. Right. Um, so she shows him a thing where this, this is what has. And um, that's the thing too, with Boromir, with, with Boromir turning on him. And then later the, you know, in the two towers and stuff, when they, when Amir, uh, not Amir, his, his brother's name started with an F. But anyway, when his brother is talking about him and how he's so valiant and this yeah. and that, when when they came out of the mines of Moria and um, Legolas was, I mean, uh, Aragorn was telling him, get him up. We got to get moving. And and he was compassionate toward him. Boromir was. And he's like, give them a moment for whatever sake, you know, for pity so sake. It, it does for pity's sake. Yeah. So it, it does show how, you know, even though he kind of, you think for a minute that like Boromir sucks. He's the bad guy because he's been talking trash in the beginning. It, you already know he wants to use it. And then he turns on them. And so, you know, but you get those little clues that he is compassionate and for the cause and everything too throughout. Right. But like they said, the, the, the race of the ring powers corrupts. Right. And, and he's the most, he was probably the most easily corrupted because he want he sees it as a, as a powerful weapon to use against the enemy. So right. it, it corrupts him that much faster, it seems like. Yeah. So they, they leave the area. Now they're gone. They're going to on their way back on the trip again. Uh, they've gone to the area where the two kings, I guess, are you know, pointing out toward each other. And Aragorn's like, long have I waited to put see my, put my eyes on the kings of whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. and they go through there. They get all, uh, for, I, I forget why they pull uh, Do they go ahead and put the boats off to the side? Because this they're, is their way. This yeah, because there's a right. They have to walk from there because there's a big old waterfall. They can't go across it oh, okay. after the king. After the kings, it's a huge waterfall. Okay, so they get off of there now. Frodo has disappeared. For he's off walking around. This is where it gets interesting. Because Boromir now is after talking with him, and Frodo already knew. It's like he he was foretold this is going to happen. Basically, he's going to try and take the ring from you. And mm -hmm. he was weary of being after around him. And sure enough, Boromir tries to take the ring from him. And Frodo goes invisible with it on and takes off. And now Boromir realizes the big mistake he's made. He's, the ring is on near him or upon him. And he's he's thinking a little clearer now. He knows what he just did was wrong. And he's trying to get him to come back. You know, he's trying to apologize. Right. They didn't mean it. But the ring, the ring's already taken him. If he comes back around him, it's just going to do it again. Because now he's taking control of him. 
uh, Aragorn figures out he's gone and missing, and he notices that Boromir's not around either. So he takes off to go find where he's at, and he does. And uh, of course, you know, they have their little speech with each other, a little talk. The, the ring's taking Boromir, and he's like, "Where's mm-hmm. the ring?" And he goes for his sword, you know. And um, I guess Frodo's tired at this point. He just he don't want to deal with. It. He goes, "Would you destroy it?" And he hands it out to him, and he's looking at it. And it's like he's eyeballing it. Like you're wondering for a second, how's it going to affect Aragorn now? Is he going to turn on right him like Boromir did, or what will happen? And he kneels down and closes his hand up and tells him, "I would have gone to the fires of Mordor with you." He realizes yeah. at this point that Frodo has to go by himself. And he's leaving. He knows he's leaving. He's made up his mind. Okay, I understand. You know, you have to go. I would have went with you to the end. And. Suddenly, he looks down and sees that the sword is glowing. Sting is glee- glowing. Sting is glowing. He tells him, "You got. He got to. He goes run for a run." He goes, "What?" He looks at the thing. He goes, "Run!" So he sends him off down there, and then you see the big goofy looking Urukai with the hand on his face coming around the corner with the other orc, and you got Aragorn just getting all all bad on us all of a sudden, slinging that Dude. sword up in front of his face and like walking at him, like like I got no Dude. shame. I'm walking right at you right now. Let's go. I, what that that's what I was about to say. My my absolute bar none favorite scene in that in this movie is when he turns around and it's like it's this pure acceptance of you know I'm not saying that in his mind it, it made you feel like he thought I'm gonna die here, but it's just this pure acceptance and this almost sorrowful for what he's about to have to do. You know what I mean? He just turns around like the way, the, dude. The way he turns around with the swords in his hand, and it, it pan the camera pans back, and you see all of these urukai coming out of the forest. And that moment, now, now I'm not even talking about the fight. I'm talking about just when he comes around the corner. Yes. The way he looks, man, is that is one of the most bad a looks ever. It's just a, it, it's a blank look. You know what I mean? It, it's just like you know when he holds the sword up and he's just like. Oh, that's just so doggone, yeah. man. This I is mean, right, dude. That's... Like, the sword is perfectly going up in the middle of his face like this. And the, yeah. point, the point is right up like right up, up here or something, you know. And you can see the look on his face. Like It's determined like, I know I might die, but I'm going to take about 50 of you with me. Exactly, you know, man. He, it, he's like he's like Arnold in, in Commando without the big machine gun, you know. He's no like, doubt. He's like Captain America in... Of in the, uh, the 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 final Avengers uh, movie uh, with the uh, with with Thanos in it, uh, Infinity War, where he's like yeah, where he's like he sees all of them coming, but he tightens up that shield one last time. And he starts stumbling toward all of them, like you know what I can do this all day long. That's it, time. man. It, it's, it's, yeah, that's just so, so incredible. The only other the only there, there, there's one other scene with Aragorn that is akin to that that I love. And it's when it, in the two towers, when he returns to um, Rohan, when when they think he's the war dragged him over the cliff, right, and right. He, the way he opens the door, he comes in and his hair swim. Man, it's just so dude cool, man. It's just like that's, that's incredible. You're, you, one, one of my one, one of my friends from once before, he said uh, just the way Aragorn's character portrays himself as just this big stud of a warrior. And he's like the way yeah. he does the sword thing, like you're talking about coming back from the falling over the cliff and burst through the doors. And he's like, man, he goes, 
got a man crush on him. <laughs> I, for real, because I mean, he's like he is. He's the embodiment of of manliness because it's not. He's not a macho man. He's not macho manliness. He's just he's a total ba, and he's not even aware of it. He's just like we're gonna do what we got to do. You know what I mean? And, and right. it's, dude, yeah, and he, he is like, like that dude. He, you you. Through the movies, you think he can just like there ain't nobody that's gonna take him with a sword. Like even you don't even really think even Legolas would do nothing with him. He gets mad at when he said uh, when Legolas was uh, talking actually in the, in the two towers. He said they're gonna die here, and then he said he stopped speaking Elvish to him. He said then I'll die as one of them. Yeah, and then Legolas was like, "Whoa, whoa, dog!" You know what I mean? Like he was like backing up, like <laughs> like all right, man, <laughs> it's all good. There's a uh, thing I read in here a while ago where the trainer, the the sword trainer uh, for the movie, uh, mm-hmm. veteran sword master Bob Anderson called Viggo Mortensen the best swordsman I've ever trained. Yeah. And like, this he, dude commits, man. He's unreal. And, and during the movie, everywhere, Viggo Mortensen carried the sword with him to stay in character. Yeah, that sounds. He he did that, and uh, so I mean, he's a straight he, method actor. That's all I'm saying. He he literally lived in the woods, like straight up. Well, he uh, he he played a character I'll never forget in the movie. Like I said, I was always a Star Wars nut. I, I told you before, you know, the first three Star Wars, uh, yeah, you know, the prequels come along, and I'm I'm so into all of them except for maybe Phantom Menace for the most part. Yeah, uh, but I mean, nothing could overtake that. I always said, uh, Lord of the Rings come along. That's my trilogy right there. Right, no kidding. And then they done couldn't put the darn Hobbit out, and I was like, man, maybe this is my trilogy now. But it, no, because there's, there's, no. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no air going. The Hobbit is awesome, and I love the Hobbit. The Hobbit, they did. I feel like they did just as good with the Hobbit as they did with this. Yes, but it, no, I still don't. And, and what's funny is in the books. So I, so I read the books um, because of my mother when I was young. Uh, I didn't have to read them for school, but I read The Hobbit because of my mom, and I read them in order. So I read The Hobbit, and then I read Lord of the Rings. And even today, I like The Hobbit book better than the Lord of the Rings trilogy book, for sure, hands down. I I love the story, the trolls, all the stuff that they go through. It's just, to me, as as a childhood memory, I think The Hobbit is a more fun book than Lord of the Rings. But Lord, the movies, the Lord of the Rings is so powerful and impactful that the hobbit kind of is it overshadows the hobbit on the the not so much the scale of the grandioseness but the story uh the depth of the story i think is more yeah yeah but so the fights ensuing you got uh you've got aragorn being the bad man that he is he's taking these guys out right left coming at him climbing the stairs Taking them out with the swords, kicking them off of it. Then you see the rest of them coming through, and they're gonna—they're like the guy yells out, "Find the halflings!" Uh, he mm-hmm. knows where they're going, so he dives off into the crowd of them. At this point, this should be it for him. He's gonna dive off into a crowd of the urukai and start taking them down. And so, luckily, unless he's seen them coming while he was on top, he may have, and maybe why he jumped down there. All of a sudden, as he dives on top of them. Here comes Legolas and Gimli around the corner. You know, axes hit, swinging. You got arrows flying. Right. Oh, taking people out. You got Legolas getting all bad all of a sudden with two short swords, slicing and dicing and spinning. Oh, yeah. Um, Gimli doing his thing with the axe, blocking, smacking it back, cutting across. All this good stuff going on. 
and then you hear, uh, well, of course, it, it, it switches off back to the to Mary and Pippin running. They distracted the ones coming down, making them think they're the halflings. Uh, uh-huh. so, so, so Frodo could and then that's where that's where we roll into the death of Boromir, who did Boromir, not go out like a did not go out like a punk. No, shows his true self too. I mean, he's there for the yeah. group. He said he would swear his allegiance to them to make this happen. The will of Gundor will make this happen, you know. And the two there are in danger of losing their lives. They can't take care of him. So he about stops the one guy from swinging the axe down on him, kills him, takes a few more out, starts blowing the horn. And then he goes back to them, and you're like, Aragorn's like, it's the horn of Gundor. Boring. Yeah. Yeah, they're taking off going the best they can. They're in the middle of all the Urukai running, too, though. So they're having to fight them off while they're running. Um, and uh, they tell Aragorn to just go. Legolas like, go. We got this. Go. And right. he's trying to get to where he can get to him. And by the time he gets there, it's too late because now he has already taken three arrows and fallen. But before the Urukai – That's the thing about – he, you know, Aragorn pops out and knocks him down and then ensues a fight with him. Right. And that's the thing, too. That's why I say he didn't go out like no punk because them doggone arrows, dude, those things were as big as your thumb. Like, them, them ain't no normal arrows that he gets filled up with. He's taking some shots. And right. the what was it, the first two arrows he was still fighting? Like, the first one yeah. knocked him off his – flat knocked him off his feet. He got up swinging his sword. And then the second one hit him, and he's on his knees swinging the sword. And then the third one hit, like this dude takes three arrows, man, and he's I still mean, going hard. Since I just watched it today, I can tell you how this went. He takes the first one in the shoulder above the heart, basically. Yeah, a little bit lower, he'd been dead. Didn't it knock but, him off the? That one knocked him flat off his feet, it, though, it, didn't it? It didn't quite knock him off his feet technically, but I oh, mean, okay. he gets he gets that 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 one hit right there. And he's still swinging the sword and killing people around him. After a brief second to catch his breath, he realizes yeah. the second arrow been hit. The second arrow comes in and it catches him under his heart area in a rib cage area toward the bottom. And it's so like a lung back. shot then. More so he took a he took a lung shot basically. We we can basically say that yeah, and he's right there. Then uh, so he still he goes down on the knee right there at one point with that one. But still takes um, uh, blocks a sword strike, comes up, knocks to the side, comes up with a sword, swings back down, takes that one out, takes a few more out, and still blowing the horn. Basically, uh, they got the last one hits him. When the last one hits him, he just drops to two knees. He's he's and as he drops to two knees, Adurakai comes to him. He still blocks it, parries it, slices him. And sticks his sword down in him as he's coming down on top of him, basically. Yeah, and then right. that's when the dude with the white face walks up on him. Yeah, that, that, that's practically it right there, what he can do. We're talking about sapling trees going into this dude, man. These, these arrows are big. <laughs> they are big. And so he's 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 done what he can do. He can't do nothing else. Mary and Pippin try to run it sword with their swords at him, and they just pick him up and throw him over their shoulders and run off with him. The one guy stops. He's about to kill him. Like I said, he's going to put an arrow right in his face. And here comes Aragorn. Um, yeah. They have a little fight. Now, there's two different uh, scenes for this. Uh, oh, really? You've got, you've got them in in the fight, in the extended fight. In the regular fight, he throw, uh, he takes a dagger and stabs the, the Urukai through the leg. Right. In the regular version, the Urukai pulls it out, and he takes it, and he slings it at Aragorn, who knocks it down with his sword. In the yep. extended cut, 
the Urukai licks the blade. Yes. Before that's the it. one I. Yeah. Yes, he licks. So just to show you how tough and gory he is, he licks the blade and throws it. I will. And not only that, when when Aragorn stabbed him, he well, he cut one arm off, and then yeah. he stabbed him through the middle of his body, like his heart. And the Urukai like grabbed the sword and started pulling himself toward him, like snarling. Aah. Yeah, and it, it shoved him out. Yeah, but when he shoved him out, he he swings around and beheads him. Yeah, did that spinning move? Yeah, so I mean, he's he's just completed his his. You know, I've I've been bad today. This is my last. Part. I guess the rest are gone. Uh, so he goes to Boromir <laughs> and talks to him. Boromir gives him the speech and everything. How he would follow him, his brother, his king, and all this good stuff. Uh, he and say, oh, there's an important there's an important part of that too that we've missed throughout this entire conversation was the fact that Aragorn was shunning that responsibility. He was turning his back on that because he was fearful of the weakness in his blood because he's a direct descendant of Isildur. Right. So we, we didn't bring that up. So he that's why he is the one. He's the king. He's the true king. And, you know, Bormir, he kind of uh, not downplayed it, but he kind of discredited it. You know what I mean? And, and they, they kind of brought that up a little bit in the earlier part of the movie. And then I don't know if it happened in the theatrical version, because like I said, I've been so long since I watched it. But I know in the in the extended cut, there's a scene where Aragorn is by the shards of Narsal, which is the blade which that struck the ring from Sauron's hand. And um, uh, Boromir was looking at it and he was all like kind of marveling over it until he saw Aragorn. And then uh, when he saw him, he said, it, "Some it, it's just a re it's just a relic of a weak." I forgot what he said, but anyway, he he set the the shard back down and it fell off, and, and Aragorn got up and picked it up. That was a real poignant scene as well, showing Aragorn's respect for his past and for his his legacy that he's supposed to fulfill. But then, you know, so that's that's what the importance of the speech between Boromir and Aragorn. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're basically at the end of the movie at this point. You got there on their yes. separate ways now. Sam has walked out in the water, and even though he can't swim and about to drown, uh, you know he's got. Which is where he cut his foot. Boat, where he cut his foot. That's, yep. Yeah. He, he gets pulled up into the boat. Uh, he tells him. He says. He said that Gandalf told me, "Don't you lose him, Samwise Gamgee?" And I don't mean to, Mister Frodo. You know, right. you know, this is how it's going to be. You know, regardless. So. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go nowhere without me. So the two of them take off. You've got Legolas. There was a, that's another thing. That's another thing in in the movie. That that was the one gripe that I had, but I understand why they did it. But it kind of pulls me out of it a little bit, and um, I think they use that quite a bit now. The method that they used to film that underwater scene. <clears throat> they had fans blowing on them. In this case, it's, it's like an overlay. So they're not, they're not underwater. They're, they're actually, there's fans blowing on them to make their, to make the flow look the way it does. So, and, and I noticed that immediately. I remember when I first watched the movie in the theaters, I was like, that looks weird, man. But, but yeah, so, so they're not, no one's actually, during the scenes that are filmed underwater, they're, they're not actually filmed underwater, but he crawls back up soaking wet. So yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Because you can't, uh, I I think Peter Jackson explained it. You know, they tried it with underwater cameras at first, but as he's falling and he's reaching up and he's looking up, it, you know, they couldn't get the 
emotional part of it or the feeling out of it that they wanted because the clothes didn't, as he was sinking, the clothes and his hair didn't, it didn't look right, right I guess. Right, right. Well, this is pretty, like I said, this is pretty much the end of the movie. We got nothing else much to go on. They show them going their separate ways. The the three, the, the big three, uh, Gimli, Legolas, Aragorn, you know, they're like, you know, we we failed. What do we do? You know, all stuff. And Aragorn's like, we haven't failed as long as we stay true to each other and we don't let Merry and Pippin die a torturous death. You know, we right. To see, he looked across. He was like, it was like, too, he, he was sitting there like, adjusting his arm bands or whatever gauntlets whatever you call them and like he looked across the river and saw uh 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 mary and pip i, I mean not mary and pip uh sam and frodo and, and he told him they're gone now that yeah, yeah they're gone yeah well he he knew before he, he said that. Gone. he knew that he'd be gone he'd let them go that's all yeah. he just wanted to let them go uh, but they're going to go rescue the other two to make sure they're safe and this is going to lead us up into the two towers I started watching the two towers earlier and I stopped. I'll, I'll probably finish it for the night's over with now that I've started. But heck uh, yeah, uh, I, I really that's gonna, you're gonna love that too because you remember? Do you remember they're running and like yeah. Gimli's like he said, I, "Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm wasted on cross country. I'm yeah. wasted on cross country. We dwarves are very dangerous over short distances. Yeah. <laughs> we dwarves are natural sprinters." <laughs> uh, I'm okay. that guy too. Ray John is it John Reyes Davis? Is that his name? Davies. That plays Gimli? Davies. What's that? John Reyes Davies or Reyes Davies. John Reyes Davies. Okay, yeah. That dude, I remember I remember him from so much, too. Uh, do you remember he was in that show, Sliders? Uh, Sliders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a professor in Sliders. He was the the guy that Indy always went to uh, in Indiana Jones. That was uh, Yeah, with the little topaz hat, whatever they call it. The, the, like the Shriners wear. That was him. That was him. Uh, some interesting things about the movie. We always go on these things here, and I put it off till right now. Uh, yeah. I go here. I want to just bring this up how incredible this movie itself was. And you can picture if this movie did this, what do you think the entire franchise did? Because this movie here, Holy cow. Est estimated budget to make this movie was $93 million with the effects, yeah. the location, the filming. Opening weekend U.S. and Canada, $47,211,490. The gross of U.S. and Canada, $316,115,420. And the gross worldwide of this movie, $898,204,420. I mean, it's close to a billion dollars at this point. <laughs> Off of that movie. Two hours and 58-minute runtime. When it, for the original release, not mm -hmm. the extended. Uh, I mean, and people loved it. Three hours of sitting in the theater, and I, I would have sat for six. Yeah, we I, can. I remember I took so with my mom being the one that got. I, I remember this like it was yesterday, man. With my mom being the one that got me into the books and into Tolkien to begin with. Um, you know, my mom is actually. I, I give her credit. She's responsible for my love of stories you know what i mean uh coming up you know us coming up in the 80s and all it, yeah. we didn't have games like we have now and this and that but we uh um, and, and on top of that we were we were poor you know so it was all about books and stories and this and that and um so i took her to see it and uh you know we came out of, we came out of the theater man and me my mom and dad my wife at the time we were just like all of us like oh my god 
that was amazing, but my butt hurts so bad. <laughs> I, I will tell you, and I, I don't think she listens to this podcast, but uh, my wife at the time was uh, big on these movies when she was younger. She read the books and everything. Same mm-hmm. with the Harry Potter stuff. And I was the same fool on both of them going in. I said, I don't know if I want to watch it or not. That don't look like it'd be that good. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, just looking at the, at the picture and hearing about her describe it to me, I said, that just doesn't sound that good. You know, someone's going to take a ring and go high or take it across country and throw it in the mountain or something. <laughs> I mean, Sounds good. Well, this, right. we walked out of Fellowship of the Ring and I just looked at her and I said, I won't go back and watch it again. Heck <laughs> yeah. That Heck was awesome. yeah. She's like, you know, got this gloating look like, told you so. Told you so. Man, we even had, do you remember Burger King? I, I've been saying, I've been saying I'm going to get on eBay and get them again because I, I lost them through had, the years of moving and stuff. Do. But do you remember Burger King? Did you? I had all four. I I waited on the release date. I I had the release dates coming out, so I got me a set and my mother a set of the goblets. Yeah, the goblets that lit up. I'm going to pick them back up again. I will. Uh, I'm going to as well. You can get them. You can get them for a a fair price on eBay right now. Yeah, because I was looking them up. They're not really, really big on collectors right now. As far no. as that goes. A lot of people love the movie, but Lord of the Rings isn't a popular enough thing to where it drives up the buying cost of things for collections. Right. Right. We're a ne- that's a niche thing. Really, really big and important. Like, let's say you've got a replica sword of Sting, and you've got an autograph right. on it. An autograph on see, Elijah Wood or something. And you can get you can still get those even today. You can get really, really nice ones, you know, but the original company that did them that was licensed by the movie uh at the time, those are the ones that are worth big money and you cannot buy them from United it's called United Cutlery. Yeah. And United Cutlery doesn't sell them anymore. The only place you can get them is from someone who has one. And uh, in, in Gatlinburg, well, outside of Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, I believe, is the Smoky Mountain Knife Works. And they have the full set uh, behind glass hanging on the wall. And it's great big display. It's super cool. But, um, but yeah, you can still get super nice replicas of the swords. And they're still, if you get nice ones, they're still expensive, too. You know, you're talking three, between 200 and $300 and $400 for, for a nice replica. I, there's a lot of replica swords I would love to have in my collection. There's no doubt. I mean, you've talked about this many times. And you have a couple of them already. Yeah. Um, Heck yeah. Fact, when this podcast is over with, I got to go over one with you that I just seen that you may not know about right now. Uh oh. Uh, so that's be kind of cool for you. Uh, but um, I just sort of think, yeah, that's a, that's a ton of movie, a uh, ton of movie, ton of money this movie made. And I wonder the whole trilogy itself. I mean, if this made almost a billion on its own. What did the entire yeah. trilogy rake in? It had to be a lot. You know, Viggo Mortensen joined the movie when it was already shooting. Never having really? met director Sir Peter Jackson, it says, before, nor indeed having read the J.R.R. Tolkien book. It was Mortensen's 11-year-old son, Henry Mortensen, a fan of the book, who was the chief instigator in convincing him to sign on as Aragorn. Heck yeah. Well, check this out. I just, I just pulled it up. The trilogy is purported as one of the most major financial successes of all time and is among the highest grossing film series of all time. I, I could only imagine that Star Wars would be the only one that could possibly have beaten it uh, at $2.991 billion in worldwide receipts. Man. That's almost three billion dollars that the I mean, the three movies together made. 
can you imagine? I don't know how they did their contracts for these movies, but can you imagine being the Robert Downey Jr. of the group and going, I'll take less money to do the role, but I want a percentage of the sales? Yeah. Oh, 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 we. You never had to do another movie again. Never. <laughs> never. Um, it says this movie, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. That's all three movies were filmed simultaneously. The back-to-back-to-back shoot lasted a record-equaling, a record-equaling, not record-breaking, 274 days across 16 months, exactly the same time it's taken for the principal photography of Apocalypse Now in 1979. Dang. That's crazy. That's So 16 months. So that's about, that's it's two and a half years then, right? No, it's not even two years. Uh, Sixteen two, months. No, twelve months in a year. Not, yeah, a year. it's not even. But months. it stretched. It stretched out over, over those years. Right, because they 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 filmed the scenes, but I mean, you still had all the time of editing and everything they had to do. Not to mention reshoots of stuff they may have had to go back and do. But the editing right. took quite a while as well. Yeah. So I mean, and, and see, reshoots. this was the first. This was the first time that they had done, I believe, uh, a trilogy. Or a series of movies where they shot all of them at one time as well. I think that was one of the the biggest. Now, I remember. I remember at the time that was one of the big deals of, about the movie was you know they shot this they shot all three already so all three of them are already completely done. Uh, Hobbiton was made a year before production began to make the look uh, began to make it look like it was natural lived in place. They had this place built a year before they started using it and letting yeah. it and t- took care of it naturally. Complete with real vegetable patches. The green, yeah, to let green. it grow up. Um, yeah. my, my wife, the guy, uh, Mr. Tally, he, he's a he's a psychiatrist or psychologist, which everyone doesn't write the prescriptions. <laughs> he just went back and got his doctorate last year. Um, at seventy some odd years old, he waited that long. Uh, great, great man. But anyway, he went to New Zealand um, last year and went to Hobbiton. That's cool. and, and walked around and saw. He said it was awesome. Said uh, that Bilbo's house is not a facade. You can actually walk inside of it. So all that stuff that they filmed there is like that's it's real. Well, it, it says that the, the green department, the greens department, regulated the length of the grass by having sheep eat it. Uh, heck yeah, so that, that is a hundred percent natural. Yeah, that's what I'm saying they they were they were big on that. Um, but all in all, this was just this is one of my favorite. It is my favorite trilogy of all time. And I have a hard time when it comes to these movies. I can't, you know, I'm always like the original. A lot of the times it's better than anything else. But these consistently got one step better than the previous because it's deeper yeah. in the story. Deeper. And I think part deeper. of that may be, but I think part of that, what lent to that was the fact that they did film them all three at one time. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter had a clear vision of, you know, with the two towers, um, the battle scenes. You know, this is going to be bigger than bigger than the last, and then the fight for Gondor. You know, so you had to fight at uh, was it Minas Tirith, uh, wh- wherever it was at Rohan, where they went back. You know, um, I can't remember the name of the, the castle, but anyway, that that fight was epic, yeah. and then the fight for for Gondor was super crazy. That was just yes. the scale that they that they made that on. Oh, fun fact about that one too. Um, one of the other little differences in the book was the army of the dead actually never came to fight for uh, Aragorn in the books. 
which I didn't mind that at all. Like I said, the, the little the movies I got no qualms with. It's just the Amazon thing I didn't like. But the movie, yeah, there, there's a lot of little things that they added and a lot of little things that they left out. But it doesn't take away from the story and the way that they did it. I, I'm with you. This is one of I, not just my favorite trilogies, but th- this is one of one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Like it's just the, the trilogy as a whole, I would consider as one when I say that, you know, if you could run all the, if you could run the recording all into one and mm-hmm. play it for one big long movie, I mean, you'd spend all day long watching it, but I would do it. I, I've would, done it. Have you done it? I, I would love to this. Well, I mean, I, I I've, watched them all in a day, but separate DVD. So, I'm, talk, I'm talking about somebody taking the, the ending of a fellowship, and taking the beginning of two towers and split, putting it together at that point, and then where it doesn't change, right, yeah, where it keeps going, and then the end of two towers into Return of the King consistently yeah. go throughout the whole right. thing, and just now I, ha- I have one time. Uh, I would do it again if I didn't have nothing to do and I felt like it, but I have one time uh, last year. Uh, it may have been the year before. No, we were living in this house. It was last year. I, I did one time on a Saturday. I watched the entirety of the Hobbit trilogy and then the entirety of the Lord of the Rings trilogy on a Saturday. And it was and, and like I said, I'm only watching extended cuts. So it's like I started, I think, around lunchtime and it was like four o'clock in the morning the next morning before. And I mean, I wasn't taking breaks either. I mean, I'd get up and go use the bathroom or, or go outside and smoke and or whatever. But. It was like, I just, I straight watched those movies and it was like 12 hours, man. <laughs> like 12, 30, like no kidding. It's crazy. I, I, it's, I, I could see doing it though. It'd be, so, it'd be very cool to do. Yeah. They're so amazing. You never get bored with them. It's it's like, you just don't get, it's insane. And it's not the same as like, if this was to be busted up into a series where you get, you know, what you, you, you so if you say each movie in a trilogy extended is four hours you know, three times four, that's 12 hours. And then, you know, I mean, close to it. And then the other movies, I think one of them clips right at three hours. I think it was the last one. So, I mean, you really do. It's like, we're talking 16, 18 hours. So, I mean, that's an easy, and that's an easy for, se- uh, season and a half, you know. For it, people, but it wouldn't, I don't feel like it would watch the same, you know. For people that, well, one last thing I want to go over, and then we got to go and wrap it up. We're at hour 52 now. We knew we'd go over an hour. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This movie is too deep. You can Yeah, when we do when we do two towers, we might have to bust it up a little bit. <laughs> we, might, we might have to. This movie is too deep to go one hour on. It, 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 and like Absolutely. Said, you know, when we do two towers, we made we made to make it a two parter show. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see how we do with it. I may split this in two parts. Who knows? I mean, may need to. I, it's a long one. Who knows? But you know, we, we've done hour and forty five before, and you got a lot of listens. So. I can't right say, I mean, just put yourself out there. But for those who are big fans of this movie, if you haven't seen this before, Travis, also, there are shows you can go to with live orchestras playing the music with the movie on a giant screen in the background. And, oh, dude. And instead of, and, and while you're there, while you're watching it, the movie score that's supposed to be playing in the movie, they're playing it live right there for you as a movie. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yes, I, I would go know, to that. I don't know if it's if it's a traveling show or what it is, but I thought, man, that sounds so cool. Because, that would be epic. Yes. So for those of you who are loving this, who love this trilogy, check out your area and see if it's if it's a thing there. Hey, you never. Know. I'll tell you too. What what'll surprise you too is is, and I'm learning this more and more. 
even with people that are five and 10 years younger than us, how much they haven't seen, how much cinema is lost to them. And Lord of the Rings is one of, there's a lot of people that actually have never seen these movies. And I'm just like, I cannot fathom this when I hear it. When I hear it, I'm like, what? How have you not? Like, dude, you got to go watch that right now. This is one of the main (laughs) reasons why I love doing this podcast. We talk about 70s, 80s, 90s. We're into the 2000s now. We got a we got a we got a range of four decades that we can touch yeah. on. That's retro for movies, uh, and really and truly, seventies should be just kind of pushed on out as far as being retro, just being beyond retro. Classic. What, classic. I would say seventies goes into classic now, but because I, now now guess what? Now they're calling nineties music classic rock. So I'm like, what? When did when did this happen? Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. It hurts me, man. It hurts me deep. <laughs> it does me but, too. But I mean, uh, there's movie exceptions that I will pull into this for this retro show, and that we, I've done one with Jaws already. Uh, yeah, I would I would pull in the Dirty Harry series and talk about that. I I, I would Heck pull yeah. in you know certain things that was in late '70s because it feels like early '80s to me almost. I was just gonna say as as we've demonstrated some of these, especially when you get to late early crossovers. Yeah. Those those meld together where you you really what that wasn't the eighties. Remember we talked about doing a show that wasn't the eighties. <laughs> like yeah. could have swore it was. Yeah. So I mean, these are things that this is one of the reasons why I love doing this show, this podcast, because we bring to light some movies that maybe some people didn't get a good look at or haven't watched before, and they may watch this show and say, "Man, these guys really got into that. They 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 love it. I need to check this out. Maybe it's as, as good as they say. I'll like it. You know." Yeah, I mean, right. I, I would sit there and paint you a picture for American Ninja <laughs> that that was like yeah, man. the best thing ever to watch. And you go watch it, you say, Man, the action was actually pretty good in that one. You know, the cinematography of the way it was filmed wasn't that bad, you know. The fight yeah, the fight sequences were kind of cool, you know. And some of the the other thing too is some of these movies that we go over, like like this one, like Lord of the Rings, um, and and to take it back another decade, we'll we'll say, you know, um, Something like uh, let's go with National Lampoon. We'll, we'll take a National Lampoon, yeah. and and then we can go back to Dirty Harry, uh, Rambo. Uh, you know, I can name them for days. These movies are, especially if you are a fan of cinematics, you're a fan of everything retro. You're a fan of you know what I mean. If you're a fan of this this area of interest, then these are true classics. These are true game changers. These are true. They meant something. This is historical. Uh, they, they have historical significance. You know what I mean? Because they had a, they had a major impact on our culture that survives today. You know what I mean? And, and Lord of the Rings was written, what, in the fifties, thirties, fifties, something like this. There. Somewhere back in there. You know, National Lampoon, man. Oh my gosh. The, the Christmas vacation, uh, the family vacation, like all these movies I mean, are still referenced today. Uh, the, a Christmas story. They yes. just redid a Christmas story with the dude that did Alfie. I hadn't watched it yet. I heard it's great, but I'll tell so you, these things are actually watching. It's good. Yeah, I heard it is, but it, these things, you know, to my point, they, they have historical significance too. So it's not just that it's, uh, it, it, to add to it, even though they are great and, and fully entertaining, and some of them, like Lord of the Rings, are just breathtakingly amazing. Um, they they really do have historic, historical significance within our culture. 
for well, sure. And there is a younger crowd, a younger generation trying to get into them. But one of the young guys that works with me at the store I work at was asking me about some good Arnold Schwarzenegger movies from the eighties because he is he had just watched recently. <laughs> All True Lies. He had recently watched. Oh, True Lies was great. But I, yeah. said, well, True, I said True Lies was just a bomb idea. It's more like the nineties. <laughs> if you want some uh, some great Arnold movies from the eighties, I said you're talking about Terminator. You're talking about Commando. You know, you're talking yeah. about. Uh, Raw Deal, which probably wasn't his best one, but still. Oh, what his best one? It was pretty good, though. Yeah, you, know, you got all these good movies he did in the eighties. There ain't a bad Arnold movie for me, just like there ain't a bad uh, Stallone movie. Yeah, I mean they're all great. I told him I said Schwarzenegger, Stallone, I said and Chuck Norris. Those are your big three in the eighties you want to look at. Uh, yeah, yes, then you got some secondary minor people, but. Still, I said, and then, so that just goes to show you, there's a younger generation showing interest, and they're going to watch these Absolutely. Movies, and a show like this helps bring that along for them and bring it to light. Say, hey, oh, they're talking about Big Trouble in Little China. Well, that dude talking about it is real passionate about it, and he really was. He, he loved that movie. I did, too. Right. So we had a good time talking about it. And they're like, if they can see how good a time we're having talking about it, they got to check this out. So, right. And, so, and then you get, and you know, you get a romantic like me on here, and it's like, you know, I'm over here talking about the emotional stuff that's going on in this movie. And it's like, it's because I'm a dreamer, man. We grew up, like I said, the stories mean so much. And then like with Aragorn, we're talking about what a BA he is. You know what I'm saying? Just like, you want to be that dude. Talk about your friend said he had a man crush on him. A lot of times when we say man crush, it's because like, I want to be that cool. That's what that right. relates to. You know what right. I mean? Like, I want to be that guy. So we all, as men, want to, we want to be these action heroes. We want to be these awesome people. We, we as humans want to go on, we want to have, you know, we're always searching for a meaning to life. What is the answer to those? And, and we see these stories and they give us this meaning. Uh, you know, one of your favorites, Commando, I got to say my daughter, Alyssa Milano. That, that was why that's one of your favorites, because we were around the age that we was in love with Melissa Milano back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's no, it. I mean, you know, yeah, she was. It's Samantha. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, man, and and it's it does. Uh, you know, you can look at it as just pure entertainment. You can appreciate the production. You can appreciate the cinematography, the art form of it. So you, there's so many levels that you can get with this stuff on, you know, you got the art form, you got the historical and cultural significance, and you've got the plain out love of it all. You know what I mean? And the escapism from, from reality and what, what we go through day to day, man. Right. Right. Well, I hope everybody has enjoyed the show today. I know I did. I had a kick. I mean, I really did. Oh man, I did too. It's good to be back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always, well, every time we get back together to a long break, we go long on the show. You notice that? that funny? Yes, every, every time. time. See, that just goes to show you, we got to get you back on more often then. So we were, I remember, we were, were getting in pretty good practice. We were getting in pretty good practice. We was clipping her down around. We was get, we we had gotten down to around a couple of hour and 15 minute shows. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we could make it an hour if we really work at it. I mean, yeah, really, really and truly, it's just that this movie, like I said, can't be done in an hour. So, but I do hope no. everybody enjoy. I do hope everybody enjoyed the show today. Our breakdown of it, what we thought about it, the explanation of stuff, Travis's knowledge of the Lord, everything was great. I hope you enjoyed that. If this makes you pick up the movie and watch it, or pick up a book and read it, that's awesome. So, uh, and I you can listen on audiobook. You can look. You don't yes. have to pay for Audible. Just to let y'all know, you don't have to pay for Audible. A little life hack: go to YouTube. There's audiobooks on YouTube. I'll throw it on your TV or your computer or whatever, and you can listen to it in the background or whatever. It's yeah. all on there. Exactly. So you got all kinds of options to pick up these things and go with them. So, uh, Travis, as you know, we are available 
everywhere your podcast is downloaded at. Everywhere. In case you're not familiar with everywhere, we are on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Google Music. We're on. We're hosted on Anchor.fm. Uh, we are on iTunes and Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on everywhere you can go and get a podcast. You're going to find this podcast. Only thing I ask for you, of you, I should say, is that if you do like the show when you watch it, please leave a rating and a review for me. It helps a ton when it comes to the rankings and helps get me more notoriety out there where I'm noticed by the group and puts me further up there. So uh, the more I get noticed, the more people come in and listen. And I do like the show growing. It's grown quite a bit since we started this when me and Travis first started it last year. So. Yeah. Um, yes. And to put it out there on Chris's behalf, because he's he's not going to say it. He's a real humble guy. He's doing, look, if this turns into something where he can make a living at it and, and be out here entertaining y'all full time, he would love that. But this man's doing this out of passion right now and having fun. And this ain't, you know what I'm saying, endorsements and anything like that. We, you know, it'd be nice if we got there at one point. But anything that you do, to recognize the show and to help him get get recognized helps him in that manner as well. It does. And uh, I just started recently. I, did, I haven't told you yet. Uh, I was going to tell you in a few minutes. I just started recently where uh, on Anchor.fm, if you watch, if you listen to me on Anchor.fm, you can participate. If I have any questions put up, you can answer on there. You can actually leave me a voicemail on there about with a question or your thoughts or something on the show. There's also a button nice. where, you can, where you can support the podcast if you want to support the podcast. Because honestly, uh, none of this is free. I do pay for everything, <laughs> right? And I'm about to get a website put up soon to go with it. Uh, so Heck yeah, a little more notoriety and everything. Uh, but it does allow you to donate whatever you want, whether it's a penny or whether it's a hundred dollars. Just to give you an example, it's good. It doesn't matter. It's what you put in there. Uh, and the same thing I registered for called Buy Me a Coffee, where if you want to support the show, you can digitally buy somebody a coffee, which is basically saying you're donating money to the show. So if anybody cool. does that, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I'll put it to good use to the show when it comes to new uh, devices, new microphones and boards or whatever, or getting guests on the show if I need to. Whatever the case may be, it's awesome. But the biggest thing you can do for me to support me is to share me with anybody and everybody out there. That means more to me right now than you donating, you know, a dollar or five dollars or something. If you recommend me to people and you give me a review, that is worth ten times any donation to me that I could that I can get. So if you get time to just you know drop a review and a rating on there, please do that and definitely share the show with people who like eighties, nineties movies, you know, two thousands movies. Yeah. There's these great guys out there that go over these things. They're fun to listen to. Check them out and everything, and maybe they'll. You become a fan of the show as well and just add to the growth. So, and, and you are correct. If I could do this for a living, I certainly would. But, <laughs> you know, in, in, in all realistic, to be all realistic about it, you know, uh, I, I look at, like you said, I love this era and time frame of movies and TV, music and everything. So I just like talking about it. So, me too. Me too. I mean, and since see, now this is the second time that I've done this in the manner that I've done it, uh, I feel like this is a lot more mobile and a lot easier for me. And it was not, uh, it wasn't hard at all. Uh, so I, I'm thinking I'm on, I'm thinking I'm gonna hop be on here a little bit more often with you now too, because like I said, I got it, got this thing kind of set up and got uh, my day to day life in a routine. So yeah, well, I'm gonna look forward to more of me. Yeah, would be, <laughs> hey, that would be great. That would be great. Hey, yeah. So, all right, well, everybody, we're going to go ahead and go. Thanks for being a part of the show today and listening to us. I know we went long, extra long, 
but I hope you enjoy the show, and we'll be back next week with another for you. So, Travis, glad to have you back this week. I hope to see you a lot more soon. And Heck yeah, buddy. Will, I enjoyed it. We will catch you guys on the next show. You're out.